Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. We will be in verse 8 with the church at Smyrna. An interesting, an interesting church. There is no condemnation to the church at Smyrna. None. And matter of fact, the church at Smyrna is going to be commended for its stand. I believe, honestly, that the church at Smyrna is such a picture for us today. We can draw a lot from looking at the church at Smyrna. We looked at the church at Ephesus last week. One who, who lost their first love, left their first love. To a church that has stood in the midst of tribulation and persecution. And stood strong. So what about Smyrna? How, how much do we know about Smyrna? Well, we do know that Smyrna was a large and wealthy city. But it was known for its temple to the mother goddess and also one built, there was another temple that was built for Emperor Tiberius. And so they participated heavenly. Matter of fact, Smyrna was actually was the headquarters for the imperial cult of emperor worship in that area of the empire. They were very steeped in idolatry and pagan worship. And matter of fact, made up of both Jews and Romans and Christians. And unfortunately for the Christians in Smyrna, it was not a it was not a pleasant place to practice your faith. And we're going to look at that as we make our way into this letter. And as we look at different aspects of it, and consider this, the church in Smyrna, they faced opposition for its allegiance to Jesus Christ from both the Jewish synagogue as well as pagan culture. I mean, the Jews didn't like the Christians. And so they saw persecution and tribulation from not only the Jewish side, but also from the Roman side. So they had it from two different sides. But the church at Smyrna, according to the letter that we read here, stood in the midst of all of that. Unbeknownst to us today, that the letter to the church at Smyrna has a very fitting place for us today as we find ourselves in the culture that we live in today. Matter of fact, deemed by many to be a very intolerant environment when you attempt to try to have any dealings with Christians at all. Matter of fact, we're referred to today and it's becoming more and more of a reference to intolerance than anything else. Christians are the most intolerant people that there are. Matter of fact, as far as Christians are concerned today, as far as the church is concerned today, 
it, according to them, there's only one way that you can get to heaven, and that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you hold to anything other than that, you're considered, you're just, you're considered wrong. So what do you do? And I honestly believe that there's a lot we can draw from the church at Smyrna today as we anticipate moving forward in 2024. Matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8, I want you to notice as the letter begins, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last who is dead and has come to life says this. It's interesting here because the phrase, when you look at it, this is what the first and the last who was dead has to say. It's an interesting start to the letter or of the letter to Smyrna. Because if you go back to chapter 1 and verse 17, you will find where the declaration of Jesus Christ is made, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So as far as the church at Smyrna was concerned, here's what I want you to understand. He reminds the church, Jesus reminds the church that he is the first and the last. Let me remind the church today of this fact. He is the first and the last. There's no one like him. No one ever will be like him. No one has ever been like him. Jesus Christ, the first and the last. He is the Son of God. That's who he is. And there's only one way to the Father, and that's through him. That's it. So today, you know, the songs that we sing this morning, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In Christ alone is where I find my hope. There is no other. And so Jesus reminding the church at Smyrna, that the one who is writing this letter to you is it's from the first and the last. Who says? They have nothing to fear at all. They have nothing to fear for they belong to the one who triumphed over death. Church, please listen to me today. We have nothing to fear. Why? Because we serve and worship the one who died and rose again is seated at the right hand of the Father today, making intercession on our behalf, we have nothing to fear. Oftentimes in the Scripture, we find recorded, Jesus himself said, there's no need to fear. And so for us today, understanding and realizing there is nothing for us to fear moving forward in 2024, I can tell you right now, we can take the name of Jesus Christ and move forward in victory because of him. Why? Because he's already won the victory. Church, listen to me. There is no reason for us to cower back today. In, in, probably in, in, in more than any other time, Today for the church to rise up and to be who the church needs to be. We don't need to cower down because of culture. We don't count. Listen, there's no need for us to cower down because they think we're intolerant. There is no reason for us to cower down. Please listen to me. We hold the truth today in the word of God. It's interesting of what is said in 
verse 8. The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this. There's no need for us to fear. I'm, you know, I can't help but think that probably John is reminded of the words that we have in Psalm chapter 4. If you'll turn back there with me, Psalm chapter 4, and look with me. And I hope today this, this message encourages your heart to understand and realize and to see where we are and to what's taking place. There is, there, there is no reason to fear. He is the first and the last. So where do we draw our strength from? Well, look at Psalm chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. And here it comes. You have put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine abound. In other words, no matter how good things got. Matter of fact, I had gladness in my heart, not because of the abundance of things that we had, but simply because of you, O Lord. And then he says in verse 8, in peace. I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, this is what the first and the last who is dead and has come to life says. We can have victory today because he already has. We can have victory today because he's the first and the last. We can have victory today because he's already conquered both death hell and the grave and he is seated at the right hand of the father today and the church is not going to die now the question is what do we do with it you see jesus was put to death through the instigation of jews by the hands of romans so it's the letter at the church of smyrna talks about this in verse 9, notice with me as the text continues, I know your tribulation and your poverty. But I want you to notice what it also says. It says, but you're rich. He said, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. The word synagogue is an interesting, it's an interesting word. It actually comes from the Greek word synagogue, and basically what it means is assembly of. And so, as the letter comes to the church at Smyrna, it says, but are a synagogue or assembly or assembling together of Satan himself. What in the world is the letter trying to say to the church at Smyrna? Well, I can say this to you. The believers in Smyrna might have been tempted to join the local synagogue to escape persecution. This would have meant joining those who renounced Jesus as the Christ. Jesus says, I know your tribulation. He said, I know your poverty, but you're rich. The blasphemy of, of those who say they are Jews and they're not. And matter of fact, but are a synagogue of Satan, an assembly of Satan. 
In other words, deniers of Jesus Christ himself. It's an interesting phrase in there, but you are rich. I got to thinking about where we are today. The first point this morning, culture's temptation to join them. We're seeing that more and more today than I believe we've ever seen it is for the church to join arms with culture. The church at Smyrna refused to do so. Could the church at Smyrna have joined with the Jews and the Romans that were there and the pagan worship and all of those things that were associated there? Sure, they could have. But they refused to do so. They decided not to do so. You know, for believers today, for Christians today, you know, the temptation is often, boy, I tell you what, this is, just, this is just getting too tough. Best thing we can do, matter of fact, there's an old saying, if you can't beat them, then I hate to tell you, this is not one of those cases. I hate to tell you this, but that adage doesn't fit here. Is it going to get tough? It is. And church, please listen to me. Is it difficult today? It is. It is difficult. And I know it's difficult. I hear it every week. There are conversations every week. How much more difficult can it get? Let me share something with you. You haven't seen anything yet. And I know you hear it said all the time. Well, I tell you what, just look around you. The number of Christians around the world today that are being persecuted, I shared a little bit about this last week, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world today, it is quickly making its way here. I don't know if the church in the West understands this, or, or can get their hands around it. But here's what I want you to understand. There are Christians today, while we're sitting in this building, enjoying all the things that we have to enjoy in this building, there are ones today that are, that are, that are being put to death because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are ones today giving their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Persecution. Difficulty with inside of the church, tribulation. Matter of fact, we, we, one of the first places that's easy for us to go, you know, I know your poverty, Jesus said. I understand the tribulation. I also know the poverty that you're, that you're experiencing. Because as a Christian in Smyrna, under the, the Jewish and Roman culture that was there, they did, listen, they were not wealthy by any means. Matter of fact, they were on the poor side of the economy. Jesus said, here's what I want you to understand. Yeah, true, you don't have all the possessions. You don't have all the things in the world. He said, but I want you to understand something. You are rich. And for you and I this morning as believers, hey, we may not have all the world has to offer, but we are rich in who? In Jesus Christ. I mean, when we consider the, the words of the song we sang this morning, yet not I, but Christ lives with inside of me. 
And as a result of being a believer in Christ, we're an heir. We're joint heir with Christ. My dear friend, listen to me. It's not about what this world holds. It's about what we have to look forward to in Jesus Christ. So this letter to the church at Smyrna is one of challenge and encouragement to the church. I know where you are. I know the tribulation you're undergoing. I know the persecution you're in. I know the poverty level that you're in. But you're rich on top of all of it. And oh, by the way, you have nothing to fear either. At all. You have nothing to fear. So could it be said of the church today, culture's temptation to join? Sure. It happens all the time. Listen, you know, it's easy. It's easy to, to be a Christian when you're in the church building. It's easy to stand as a believer when you're standing with all the others. But what happens when we're at work? What happens when we're outside of this building? What happens when we find ourselves in the middle of a group where there are no other Christians and they begin to poke at you? How quickly are we to, hmm, not me. Wait a minute, Don't, aren't you one of those who go to church all the time? Aren't you one of those Bible readers? Aren't you one of those who believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the only way? Yep, that's who I am. And I make no apologies for it. But it's so easy when we find ourselves in the middle of those crowds and they begin to poke for us to become very quiet or even to back down or even come to the point that we say, oh, you must have me mistaken with somebody else. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and notice verse 10 through verse 12. It's Paul, he's giving his charge to Timothy in this second letter. Because there's something that I want you to see very clearly here. Verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. But look at verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be what? Will be persecuted. If you make it known that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can hold on, persecution's coming. But I will say this to you today, that we in the West, in the Western church today, we don't have any real idea what persecution is really about. And some of the conversations that I have with some of the partnerships that we have around the world today, when I talk to them, you want to, listen, you want to hear about persecution? Matter of fact, in one of those partnerships that we have right now, understand that they just passed a new law. 
now are going to require all of them now to register with the country again. And matter of fact, when they register, they will, it will be determined at that moment in time whether or not they will receive approval to continue or not. I'm thankful we don't do that here. Folks, listen to me. This, this is, if you don't get anything else from here, here's what I want you to understand. What we're talking about, this letter to the church at Smyrna, what's taking place is happening right now in the world that we live in. And for us in the United States of America today, we have a lot to be thankful for because it's not here yet. But it's coming. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2 and look at verse number 10. Next, the church in Smyrna is challenged not to fear what it's about to suffer. Because when you look at verse number 10, it says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. In other words, there is more coming. Church, please listen to me today. There's more coming. There's more coming. There is more persecution and tribulation coming to the church in the West today. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. So that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. The suffering inflicted by the devil that you see in verse number 10 refers to a limited time of suffering. It's not going to be for an extended or an eternal. It's for a limited period. Will not last forever. That 10 days in there speaks of a limited time. So there's a, there's a, is it specifically literal 10 days? No, that means it's a limited amount of time. Now, however long that's going to be, don't know for sure. But the letter says there's no reason for you to fear because of what you're about to suffer. The devil's going to put some of you into prison. Some of you are going to go into prison as a result of your stand for Jesus Christ. And let me say this to you today. There are ones every day today as we're in this building that are being put in prison because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And basically it comes down to this. Where, 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 where do we stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ? But here's what I want you to understand about the church at Smyrna. The important thing was faithfulness. Standing true to Christ no matter what the government might threaten to do. Turn back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Verse 12 through verse 14. Being faithful to the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, notice verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Do you understand? This is a prison epistle. Paul, listen, prison was not something new to Paul. Beatings were not something new to Paul. 
Matter of fact, whipped 39 times, save one. Shipwrecked, thrown into prison, stoned just about to death. All for what? All for the sake of the gospel. For the progress of the gospel. Verse 13, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. Verse 14, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. In other words, Paul's own imprisonment encouraged others to the truth of the gospel and the boldness of the word. Where does the church find its period of growth? Not a time of ease. Where the church finds its boldness and the word of God begins to grow is in times of persecution, not in times of comfort and rest and peace. Point number two. Believers are going to suffer intense persecution. Believers are going to suffer intense persecution. I can tell you it's coming. I mean, we can stick our head in the sand and ignore it. But intense persecution is coming. Matthew 24. And I know some of y'all are wondering, well, preacher, how in the world do you know all this? Because the scripture tells us it's going to occur. This is not, this is not just, this is not opinion. At all. Matter of fact, travel outside of this country. Travel to some of the other places around the world today. Matthew 24, beginning in verse, uh, let's see, um, verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endears to the end, he will be saved. So the question is, is what's coming? Still, the challenge is sobering. You see, they were called to be ready and remain faithful. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. I don't want you to miss this. But in this letter, I want you to notice what it says to the church at Smyrna. Look at the end of verse 10. 
Revelation chapter 2, the end of verse 10, be faithful unto what? Some of you being put into prison are going to lose your life. For what? For the gospel. Some of you are going to lose your life for the gospel. Be faithful to the end. Be faithful even until death. And then notice what it says. And I will give you a crown of life. Peter writing about this same subject in 1 Peter chapter 4 spoke about being faithful even unto death. You know, and for us, how many times does that even cross our mind? You see, the suffering in this world is always for a little while compared to the final everlasting reward. When you look at the suffering and the persecution that we might experience here, in light and relationship to all of eternity, it's, it's, it's not even a drop in the bucket. And then number three. And I'll close with this this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through verse 26. Luke chapter 3, or Luke chapter 9, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through verse 26. It's costly to be a dedicated follower of Christ. It is. Verse 23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's tough. Because I want you to notice the first, the first statement out of the block. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And I will tell you, that's the tough one. See, for many, following Christ as long as it doesn't cost me anything and as long as it doesn't hurt in any way, I'm okay with it. But when it starts costing, when it starts imposing, when it starts impeding on who I am and the progress I'm looking to make, then we've got another issue. You see, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way it works. He says to deny himself, take up his cross, how often? Daily. And then to follow me. But I love the letter to the church at Smyrna. Matter of fact, if we go back to Revelation chapter 2. Verse 11. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The second death, after the great white throne judgment, cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is the second death. But for the believer, (laughs) there is no second death. For the believer, we're safe and secure in Jesus Christ. No need for us to fear. No need for us to worry. Because our hope is found in Christ. The church of Smyrna stood through times of tribulation, through time of poverty, through time of persecution, even being placed in prison and even losing their life for the sake of the gospel. But the letter to the church at Smyrna was for them standing. And because we belong to the one who is the first and the last, we will not be hurt by the second death. What a promise. What a promise from the scripture. What a promise from the word of God. Church, please, if I can encourage you today with this, please let me encourage your heart. My desire is to encourage your heart today. Okay? Just stick with it. Just stay with it. Don't allow culture to dictate who you are. You be who Jesus Christ desires you to be. Be faithful to God, the one who called you. Be faithful to the one who is the first and the last. When we have opportunities to share the gospel in a crowd that we may be in, don't cower down. Stand firm on the truth of Jesus Christ. Let them know what Jesus Christ did in your own life. I can tell you, Jesus Christ changed my life. And I mean, when I say he changed my life, he turned me inside out. I would never go back to those days because of what I have in Jesus Christ. And for you, if you're a believer today, let me tell you what the world needs to hear. The world needs to hear that. The world needs to hear Your story. And everybody, every believer, I don't care who you are, you have a story. It's time we share them. It's time we share it with a world that seems to be just absolutely catapulting out of control. I can tell you this this morning, rest assured, God knows exactly where we are. And here's what he said. The first and the last. The one who's conquered death, hell, and the grave has already gone before us, prepared a place for us that when that time frame comes, you know, I'm reminded as I looked at the church at Smyrna, because the church at Smyrna, the letter said, faithful to death. Let me tell you who I got to thinking about. First one the Holy Spirit put into my mind, I'm thinking of Stephen. Stephen, after he stood on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they led him out 
to stone him. And it says that Stephen was being stoned. And probably by this time, Stephen is all the way down on his knees. And so as he gazes up into heaven, and I can't help but believe that the Holy Spirit directed his gaze up into heaven, and he's looked up into heaven. Here's what the scripture says Stephen saw. He said, I saw Jesus, not sitting, but he was standing. Church, listen, it ain't over. It ain't over. There are people today who still need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to carry it. Church at Smyrna, no condemnation, but encouragement and commendation for their stand in a very difficult place. What about us?